Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Film Fives with me, Russell Guyver, and with him, Phil Newman. Phil Newman, there you go. Big Phil, big Phil. Bonsoir, good evening. <laughs> it's been a few weeks since we did the last one, so it's uh, good to see you again. It has indeed, and yeah, thank you. Good to see you too as well. It's all just 2D, isn't it, with this sort of thing, Zoom and everything, but it's great to see you nonetheless. Well, there's a light at are... the end of the tunnel, yes. Exactly, exactly. And we've been doing actors, we've been doing um, the genres, we've done directors, we've done films a year, etc., etc. This one, we're going with our first studio tonight, aren't we, Phil? We are. And you, I we think have... we both collectively decided on Pixar, didn't we? Yeah, well, it's... It's a bit of a non-brainer, really. We haven't really done anything on animation yet. Mm. Um, they have a rich, albeit quite recent history. There's plenty to go and get your teeth into and a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. I'm looking forward to it. On this Excellent. one, I've got to be honest, unlike some of the previous ones where I've tried to guess your top five, there's no black and white Polish 1968 Pixar <laughs> film. So I genuinely have no idea what you're going to be going for here. It's funny you should say that because actually, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very curious. Yeah, I mean, it's really difficult to decide. I mean, first of all, we, we mentioned off air there's the whole thing of something like Toy Story, which is, of course, this prominent name in the Pixar fold. And um, you've got four films there. So if you like Toy Story, for example, how do you handle that? Do you, do you put them all in if you like them all? It's that, that distorts the whole thing, doesn't it? Um, so I've, I've come to a, I've come to a, happy conclusion on that one which is a plot supporter that yes i do have some kind of sto- toy story presence in my top five probably not a surprise but um, yeah. other than that it's really difficult to weigh up because they're all they're all very good there's a good general standard isn't there and they're also there different is in terms well of narrative. I, I, one thing i have noticed is that they have 20 great films and three cars films there's another plot spoiler so no car so you've got cars one two and three of you in your top five no i can't be doing with them really they just seem like john lassiter's kind of like pet passion project because he's really into his cars and there must have been someone in merchandising who says we can sell a load of toys with this let's make as many of them as quickly as we can so well, my nephew my nephew who at the time was a child uh, now a, a grown adult thereabouts um he certainly thought um, he had a great interest in John Lasseter's cars and he bought yeah. quite a few of them. He had a I'm, whole I'm bedroom sure full of them. Absolute yeah. huge quantity. Crazy stuff. Um, yeah, cars isn't my favourite, actually, I have to say, either. No. I quite enjoyed the first one. I didn't mind that. But um, Lydie McQueen and all that jazz. Um, but no, he, that doesn't feature in mine either. No, that's, Go on, that's good. But, but, I mean, pretty much all the others have got, something good to offer and, and always really really worth watching i mean considering they have we'll talk about the kind of the disney influence and things like that in due course but ultimately mm. these films are they spend a lot they spend four or five years putting each of these films together a lot of thought goes into them there's they make sure that they can be enjoyed by both children and adults i mean almost equally and there's not many other animated films that can do that and i think the thing that appeals to me most out of all of them is that none of them are musicals <laughs> unlike a lot of disney films as unlike such, a yeah. lot of uh, disney exactly. films yeah i think yeah. they basically they did the cars films to sell toys and make a bit of money and then the rest of them i think are pretty much all passion projects of kind mm. of a certain degree a lot of thought and a lot of time has gone into all of them 
just what I was going to say, passion projects is the exact expression I was thinking of. It, they really are. They're labours of love. They've, as you said, they've, they're made over a long period of time. And I think a lot of detail goes into that. A lot of thought goes into it. A lot of creativity, whether whether pre-production or not, because the animation takes time. Yeah. Maybe it's a it's an ongoing process. And they but, spend a long um, time on the stories and the characters and everything like yeah. that as well. And it shows. It shows. Yeah. And each each of these stories has its own very distinct narrative and all of those narratives well the vast majority of the studio's work is of a certain quality at the very least and within that always usually a really good quality because of that detail the narrative as you said there's jokes and there's there's themes as well for adults and for children yeah. within it which makes it much more enjoyable for the whole family rather than just yes exactly cheap, gritted teeth grinning by the by the parents oh yes it's great isn't it you know there's none of that you can genuinely enjoy them as adults and it's been uh, an interesting ride hasn't it since they first started um this was groundbreaking wasn't it when it first when it first yeah. kicked off toy story was the first film wasn't it so and yeah um i thought i'd do a little brief, brief history so hmm. they kind of kicked off in the late 70s um they, it's, as part of lucasfilm uh, their computer division, and they kind of span off into their own separate entity in 1986. They didn't really have a lot of money to start the, start off with, and so a local on, IT entrepreneur came along and invested a lot, by the name of Steve Jobs, came along and invested a lot of money in them. So eight, nine years later Steve Jobs is still pouring a lot of money into them and he hasn't really got much to show for it they wanted to start making films and they made a lot of short films but the technology wasn't really there to 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 actually do the sort of proper CG films yet so they had to sell hardware for a bit and a lot of them had to take second jobs and things like that cut through to the the sort of early 90s Steve Jobs is looking at flogging it to Microsoft or whoever else is willing to pay then Toy Story starts to kind of get a bit of a buzz and they're putting it together. There's quite a lot of arguments between them and Disney over how it was going to work. Um, the relationship with Disney and Toy Story is is quite fascinating. It's, it's a real love-hate love, relationship. I think they originally signed up for a few films and Disney owns the the character. I think they signed up for three films and then seven films or something like that. But Disney literally owned all the characters and so if they finished their relationship with Pixar, then they had the rights to go and make sequels of these characters without Pixar and things like that. Then there was a lot of toing and froing backwards and forwards. Um, in the end, Disney didn't really want anybody to kind of make a Disney film that wasn't Disney. Um, I think around about the time Toy Story came out, I think Tim Burton was making Nightmare Before Christmas sort of off the grid for Disney. And they managed to kind of squeeze it through at the same time. Cut to 10 years later, 2005, 2006, the relationship between Disney and Pixar is an all-time low. Each of them thinks that the other should be putting more more effort in and conceding more. So in the end, uh, the uh, the big wigs at Disney put their hand in their pocket and spent $7.4 billion in purchasing Pixar. And then all their problems went away. And Steve Jobs, <laughs> with his little investment from before, suddenly became on the, got, got himself on the board at Disney. Hmm. And they all got they all, yeah. they all did pretty well out of that. I think. And Steve Jobs, of course, went on to have a disastrous career afterwards, didn't he? As well, didn't well, do anything with any of his. Five years after that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah, it's a fascinating background, isn't it, to, to how it's come about? 
you know, we, I'm sure we'll get to talk about Disney themselves and other animation in the future, but um, it comes from the history of that is obviously there yeah. beforehand. You've then moved into this whole new visual medium, computer animated films, as they were just being called, I think, at the time. A whole new load of technology, um, a sort of pseudo lifelike kind of incarnation of characters, wasn't it? I suppose, in, in yeah. a sense. Although, ironically, the first film is very much not about that anyway, because they're toys and they're not humans yes. anyway. But but overall, yeah, it was it was a fascinating new medium. It was it captured the imagination of the public. And Toy Story being a, a popular film, I think, you know, it's five they stars in Empire, running, I think, wasn't definitely. it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that helped because it allowed the finances to, to keep flowing for future projects. And people, I mean, you can talk about this in live action stuff as well. People do want quality in their films. It doesn't just have to be popular, you know, yeah. uh, high, high concept entertainment. It could be films that actually have a lot of quality and depth to them as well. Yes, they're popular. Yes, they, they, they hit all the buttons as well for the wider audience. But ultimately, they've got quality behind them as they well. They have. I mean, they do make a lot of money. I mean, I looked it up. They they have an average gross of six hundred and eighty million dollars per film. Wow! <laughs> Fifteen That's... of them are in the top fifty grossing animated films of all time. Um, since two thousand and one, when the Oscars started for best animated feature, they've won eleven of them, so more than half. Um, you know, they've won twenty three mm. Oscars, ten Golden Globes, eleven Grammys. Yeah, they make a lot of money. And they've done quite well, by the sounds of it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite strange. They've well, got this huge, great campus that they've got in California, where they, which they all walk, sort of work out of. And mm. it's, you know, kind of famous for being one of these places that's a little bit wacky and a little bit wild and wear whatever you want into work, etc. Mm. But because of COVID, they've all spent the last year working from home. So the next time we get a, 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 a Disney film, which will be Luca, I think, which will be coming out in, I think it's next month, um, which is actually done, made, made by sort of Italian set film about some sea creatures. That's almost all going to have been made from home, which is a, a different, different way of, a different way of doing it. Yeah. I bet, I suppose that's the beauty of with animation. You can feasibly manage to still just keep working. You don't have yeah. to have social distancing. Um, rules applied to, to the filming do you well i mean social distancing rules are yes. applied you know what i mean there yeah, yeah. Yes, and yeah. yeah and this thing about films that are popular versus films that are quality you know there's always this has been historically right way back when with hollywood this has always been a frustrating element that i've always found with with film yeah. whether it be in my time or before my time thinking of how how many films could have been made that weren't because public sway you know the the opinions in the the, the test screenings, yeah. uh, people just interfering with the production, the, the producers, various different reasons that projects either get distorted, ruined, not off the ground at all, yeah. or, or ruined after they've been filmed. And for this this sort of stream of really good films to come through one after the yeah. other with seemingly not much interference is yeah. something to behold. I know. Yeah, I mean, I think they've had a bit of interference. I think Steve Jobs has been putting his two pence worth in on each film up till he died in 2011. I think mm. Disney, the heads, they got involved 
think particularly Michael Eisner, Jeffrey Katzenberg, I think they got involved quite a lot as well. But yeah, yeah I think they've been trusted for the most part, trusted to get on with it. And their hit rate, I would argue, out of all the studios is second to none. I mean, Disney don't spend a lot of money unless they know they're going to get their shareholders a good return. And since then, yeah. they've gone out and bought Marvel and bought Star Wars. So, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there we go. Well, but, but, yeah, but I do like the fact that although they bought Pixar, they haven't gone the Star Wars route of having about six new TV shows to based on kind of the IP next year and about 18 films. They've pretty much kept up sort of one, maybe two films a year. I mean, they average about one hmm. film a year, I think, pretty much, yeah. which is, you know, all you, all you need from them, really, if, if that's what it takes to keep the quality level where it is. Yeah. And you, you mentioned, obviously, then the the advent of how, how it's come together with uh, Pixar. Of course, there is the um, the spectre of DreamWorks that came on the scene hot on its heels as well. Yes. That's for another show, of course. But um, it was interesting how the rivalry developed. And this isn't just in actually the animation. It's in other spheres of, of film as well, where you'd sometimes get projects going on concurrently on the same theme. And this definitely permeated animation because you had for example a bug's life and ants bug's yeah. life with pixar ants with dreamworks and that seemed to recur as a theme a couple of times in the animation uh, sphere and, and loads of times in other in other projects going on live action stuff it's quite irritating when that happens isn't it yeah i mean in the early years they didn't have that technology or they arguably still don't to do recognizable human figures so they had mm. to go with toys and animals because that's what that was mm. the, the only palette they could work that's with. true otherwise yeah. it would just look terrible yeah mm. well okay shall we get into our top fives yes, in case anyone doesn't if, if nobody has yet realized if this is the first time you're listening to one of our podcasts the general concept is phil and i will have pub style chat and then count down our fives from five to one um probably via a break halfway through somewhere um in order of, well, what we think is the best or just our favourites in general. Um, it's my turn to go first. Um, so my number five, it is, drum roll, Finding Nemo. Um, 2003 film, um, American commu- computer animated adventure film, as they describe it on Wikipedia, um, released by Walt Disney at the time, directed and co-written by Andrew Stanton with co-direction by Lee Ulrich, screenplay written by... Bob Peterson, David Reynolds, and Stanton himself from a story by Stanton. So that in itself tells you, again, this collaboration. Most, I think comes, most of these yeah. films, they have a single director listed in it, but they are all yeah. co-directed by two, three, four Absolutely. people. Absolutely. 100%, yeah. And of course, we'll get into this in more detail as we go on, but voice acting, of course, is the, is the element that comes into the equation here as well. Yeah. Uh, animation. So in this case, it's Albert Brooks as Marlin, uh, you've got Ellen DeGeneres, I think it's pronounced as Dory, who of course later pops up in a spin-off called Finding Dory. Um, you've got Alexander Gould as Nemo himself, the eponymous Nemo. Willem Dafoe, the first recognisable name for some yeah, people listening they, to this. They, they do um, not really go, with the exception of the Toy Story, they don't often yeah. go with the names that you'd expect because they don't exactly. have to. Yeah, exactly. And then there's um, well, there's Alison Janney who who plays Pete. CJ. Yeah, exactly. She, <laughs> she she comes into her own as an actor, a live action um, in films later on down the line. But there's no other particular recognisable names except a couple of side roles. Andrew Stanton, who we mentioned in the 
you know, the, the, it's his story. Um, he's got a, a, a role in it. And Jeffrey Rush, the prominent Australian theatre and film actor, has a role as Nigel, who I can't remember offhand. It's been a while since I've actually seen the film. But um, Elizabeth Perkins, a couple of other names in there you might know. And um, there's a Barry Humphreys, which I'm not sure if that's that Barry Humphreys. It has to be that Barry Humphreys. <laughs> Please tell but, me it is. As I in, mean, that, what resume CV that is. The Goblin King from The Hobbit, Dame Edna Everidge, and, and, some, and a fish in Finding Nemo. And it is him. It is him, just yeah, to confirm. of course it is. Wonderful. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it's the story of a, of a fish that's got lost, isn't it, really? <laughs> to put it bluntly. Um, it's probably... Do- I guess go with the um, the IMDb synopsis is probably the best way to describe it, actually, on this one. Um so uh, let's see what what does it say. Um, I can't find it now. It's gone. Um, yeah. Well, and has there, well, the description says, has there ever been a better looking feature length animated film than Finding Nemo? We doubt it. With its shimmering underwater landscapes, be they in the vast Im- immensity of a limitless ocean or the crampest conditions of a dentist's office aquarium, the film sports a look unlike anything we have seen before. The fish tank sitting in particular. Um, setting, sorry, in particular, is a veritable wonderland of eye-popping, many-hued visual splendour. And that's what this, as with most Pixar films, is about. It's beautiful, isn't it? I mean, it's incredible to watch it. There's so much going on in the background and in each set. I mean, that every single frame of it has been lovingly crafted with care. Yeah. And And speaking of backgrounds, I I had the DVD back in the day when it first came out, and one of the features on there was... um, just the, the wallpaper screensaver type thing. So you just have it running on the screen. So effectively your big screen TV is now a fish tank, <laughs> which oh. is quite funny. And yeah. stuff would occasionally happen uh, just out, out of the ordinary. Um, it was quite good fun, one of those Easter egg type things. Um, but it was just a visual feast. It was good fun. It's punchy. It, as with a lot yeah. of these films, it, they're just it, the pace just kicks on, doesn't it? it There's no messing perfect. around. All of the characters they've they've had a long time with these characters. They they're all properly rounded out. That each character is completely individual and independent. You you know you know you know what you're getting with each of them. They're no, you know, nothing's wasted. Everything is is you know completely efficient and, and to the point. And oh, it's a brilliant film. Yeah, and I mean we're, we're talking about the connection with with Disney. One of the key themes that's always permeated and run through Disney films has been this the, the child as the protagonist figure, which obviously is the case here with Nemo. Um, and about the, well, if you look at Bambi, the, the classic scene in Bambi where he loses his mum. And, you know, that's, um, well, a very emotive moment. And I remember watching with my aforementioned nephew, actually, that yes. he's, I think he was in denial. Was it him? It might be another nephew. But anyway, in denial about it. Oh, no, but the mum will be back. Don't worry. He's kind of reinventing a new narrative. It'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, but this this fear of peril for the child in the big wide world, that kind of adventure, maybe an unwanted adventure in some cases happening. And then, you know, just it's about the narrative of trying to find your way back or finding a way to some new safe ground. And that's clearly at play here, isn't it, in this film too? Yeah. Which is, uh, which is great. Um, so, yeah, the fear of children um, having been separated from their parents and the, uh, well, the concomitant fear all parents have of leaving their, their, their parents, uh, the, the children. 
Um, so that whole separation thing yes. is, is a key feature. I mean, a lot of these Pixar films have, when you look at them, you think that's a fish film. Or you look at Toy Story <laughs> and you think that's a, that's a, that's a like a toy, toy film. film. You look at Invis- <laughs> uh, the, um, the Incredibles and you think mm. that's just a spy film. But when you look at what's underlying it and where it's all coming from, there it's a lot more going on, a lot more involved, as we will discuss as we go through them all. I mean, they've obviously put a lot of thought into, yeah, you know, this lost child and what will they be going yeah. through? What were they thinking? What will they be doing? What will they be looking for? And it's, yeah, it's and we should mention, done. of course, this is a clownfish, which has become a synonymous image, hasn't it? I think with, um, well, I mean, it's become the most, probably the most famous fish, I yeah. would say, off the back of this film. It really has become, a dis- even if people don't know the name of the fish, they know what the, the look of the fish. And the other bit of that is, of course, Dory, the character Dory we mentioned, who is, again, it's 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 tapping into this Disney slash, as it yeah. became known, Pixar trait of the side characters, the comedy sidekick characters, yeah. which has always permeated through American yes. animation. Um, 100%. This is well at play here, isn't it? Um, you know, she's the forgetful fish. It's another character yeah. trait, and a typical comedy contrivance, but it works beautifully. It works really well. I'm, I'm finding Dory, it's not as good, but it's still it's still good fun. You know, it, I watched mm. that last week. Loved it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's not it's not it's it's a proper it's a sequel. It's not really adding anything new, but mm. more than happy that I watched it. Yeah, I always find with the sequels, or usually with sequels, it's just a it's it's a shadow of the of the previous film. It's some more degree. of the same, in, isn't it? Yeah, in most cases, it can be a brightened shadow rather than a darkened shadow. But it's still, you know, it's just the it's the um, essence of what what had gone before. You want something new, and and that's what I like with most of their stuff. They have gone with original projects more often than not. Um, yeah, the sequels generally are not as good. We'll talk about Toy Story because that might be yeah, a matter of debate on that one. Yeah, but in general, yeah. And um, I know your your obviously your passion for Cars there, Phil, has, <laughs> has already shone through. So Cars 3 is at number one, I presume. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, <laughs> one last little factoid on this. Um, yeah. Clownfish, um, I do not know the exact scientific term for this, but if you have two clownfish separated from their group, like... Um, Nemo and his dad were at the beginning then one of them Mm. will automatically become female so that they can continue to breed and have children oh really didn't really (laughs) happen in the film Nemo didn't turn into a girl and have kids with his dad and I'm quite happy about that One final footnote from me as well, just just quoting from IMDb again. It says, as directed by Stanton and Lee um, Unkrich as well, and executed by an army of wonder-working animators and technicians, Finding Nemo takes Pixar technology to its ultimate final level of perfection till the studio's next release, that is. I think that sums it up well, actually, because they just keep pushing it on, don't they? Not just narratively changing stories, making a brand new world that's just as equally enticing, enjoyable and beguiling as the last, but also the fact they, they push on with the technology. They don't just yeah, sit still oh, and yeah. rest that's on their definitely, own, so. Whenever they're making a new film, they're thinking, how can we improve on this, improve on that, do better this, do better that, which we will be getting into shortly. Uh, yeah, well, my I was going to say my final thing on, on my top five, on, on my number five is this was a debate. So there was a really, really tough decision to make on my number five. The rest of them 
well, there's a lot of lot of thinking about which order to put them in, but I, I knew the other four would definitely be in. Number five was tough, but I thought I couldn't really live without Nemo being in the five, so I've gone with that. Yeah, just to, just to we'll, leave that uh, thing in there. We'll for have it. We'll, at the end, we'll go through uh, all the other ones that we missed. I actually did a yeah. top ten, mapped out a top ten, Ooh. so uh, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. We'll see what else happens. Over to you. So my, you, num- my number, uh, my number five is Monsters Inc., which is great. Mm-hmm. So uh, in order to power yeah. a city, monsters have to scare children uh, so that they scream. And however, the children are actually toxic to the monsters. And after one particular child gets through in, gets through the doorway that they go through to kind yeah. of invade the child's room, two monsters realise that things might not be what they think. <laughs> and it's it's just it's just so easily watchable. I mean, like it's a lot crazy. of Pixar films, it's an hour and a half. There's no bloating. There's no flabby. We mention it a lot. It's the right length for an animated film. Um, yeah, it's it, it's it's just like a greatest hits all the way through. I mean, they a, a, another thing we'll come back to. They spent five years getting made, preparing this film. The characters went through dozens upon dozens upon dozens of different incarnations and they had to think up new ways to simulate realistic fur and cloth so i mean <laughs> i can't remember exactly what what year did monster, this came out in 2001 so this film's 20 years old now so sully the big hairy uh, character i mean he has 2.3 million hairs on him and they've <laughs> all been animated i mean this is what i love about this podcast it's you coming out with stuff like absolute that. nonsense yes <laughs> So Brilliant. Sully, Sully, I mean, this has got a bit of a star cast. Sully, voiced uh, by John Goodman. Yeah. Um, so uh, Bill Murray tested for the role of Sully, and he was apparently quite up for it. And then Bill Murray has this habit of just going missing every now and then and disappearing, and drives most of the people that he works with absolutely insane. This happened; he disappeared. So they got in John Goodman, who's fantastic, as perfectly as Sully. Uh, Billy Crystal. Uh, is the Mike uh, Mike Wazowski, who's uh, the other of the main monsters. Now, Billy Crystal was originally kind of tagged to be uh, Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story. He was offered that part first before it went to Tim Allen, and he turned it down because he didn't think it was going to be a hit and regretted it a lot afterwards and was kind of banging on their door to have a part in whatever they were doing next. And then kind of the last last one, which is kind of quite interesting, is uh, Steve Buscemi, who plays Randall, who's kind of like the baddie lizard. And it, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a great film. The, I think the idea was kind of like a lot of Pixar films. They must have these. You, you read through the history of these films and they're like on a lunch call. They thought this, thought that. And on a lunch, they did this, did that. So they must have these bloody massive lunch breaks where they must talk about all sorts of things it's normally the same people it's john lassiter um andrew stanton leon critch and and uh, pete doctor it's normally and the other guy john raft is it the one that died in the car crash um yeah. normally one of them but they'll all chat it backwards and forwards and come up with this so in this one they kind of said well we've done toy story and people love the idea that toys come to life when they aren't around but what about the monsters in the closet and so that was the kind of whole premise that built built that yeah. film and the whole kind of they, you know that they have to go through these special doors to get into children's rooms to scare them i mean 
that's brilliant. I mean, they were really worried when they were making it that having a character whose main role was to frighten children out of their wits <laughs> might not be a very good idea because you know, they thought it would alienate audiences and make them not empathise with him at all. But then they came up with the idea, but yeah, but he's the best scare and he's better than anybody else and all of this kind of thing. And yeah, and he's a lovable and slightly neurotic character who's got his faults and he's got his worries and he's essentially a human in yeah. monster clothing, isn't he? Yeah, but moving on from that, so one of the kind of other, if you kind of look under the lid a little bit, like what you were talking about with Finding Nemo and that, that feeling of separation. So here it's 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 a story of what happens when you get stuck with a child that isn't yours, that you don't really want, that's an expert at things. Which is and um, they actually took a lot of inspiration from the um, Peter Bogdanovich nineteen seventy three film Paper Moon. I think they used to watch ah. that quite a lot, and then they're kind of using that to kind of work out you know, how it how it would be and how mm. would it would work. And a lot of thought, a lot of time's gone into it, and it's just it's funny. It can be scary. You're never not entertained. Um, yeah, it's great. Um, there's whiffs of three men and a baby here isn't there being yeah. left with a child thing yeah anyway but go on yeah Karen. yeah so um much like what um a lot of their films a lot a lot of adults i mean this is still quite early this is i've got a list here this is only the fourth film by pixar so you had mm. a toy story you've had a bug's life you've had toy story 2 and you now got monsters inc so this is like 20 years old and this, you know, they're still setting out this time, but this was the film where it was really like adults were like, yeah, and no, I'm quite happy to go and watch Pixar film. No problem yeah. taking the kids. I do. I can enjoy it, not endure it, I think, is the, is the way that they look at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, yeah, they made a sequel, um, Monsters University, which I watched this weekend, which was all right. It's, again, like some, quite a lot of the other sequels, as you say, with the possible exception of Toy Story. It's just giving the people what they want. Hmm. But um, I don't think they'll be making any more. Actually, next year, they've got a TV series coming on Disney Plus called Monsters at Work, but they've got a lot of the voice actors returning for that. So Lovely. that could be quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, the the, um, the sequels are a bit like a conservatory on a house, aren't they? You might build a conservatory and you might spend a bit of time there, but you mainly want to spend time in the main house. Yeah. yeah it's probably something like that. Yeah. But it's it's a great film. I mean, I love it. I think it's really good fun. Um, as you said, it, it's got a more a stronger, in terms of familiarity, it's got a stronger cast. Um, obviously, you know, Billy Crystal is a... Is, is a major comedy player. He's gone on to present those on of the cinema. Oscars. Yeah, I've seen him in anything for years recently. I mean, he was in everything yeah. 20, 20, 20, 30 years ago. I mean, yeah. he, I think he I mean, was he, all... Yeah. Yeah, he's one of those traditional kind of uh, Jewish-American comedians, kind of old school, you know, really good, really good at yeah. what he does. And he's good in acting roles, but he's, you know, he's certainly someone that I think suits voice animation roles as well yeah. just equally and he's great in that isn't he and he adds flavor to it as you said john goodman i, I didn't know the the casting change there but um i think it, i think it doesn't feel as with all of the good films that we might talk about on this, this show um it doesn't feel as if anybody else could have fitted the role now he, even i though think they might he kind of came in and said he was gonna play the character as like an nfl character 
NFL player, like an American football player. Ah, right, and he, right. I mean, he's the kind of voice and the physique, you know, that, that, that could fit that perfectly. <laughs> I think they had quite a few problems with Sully is you don't quite often get characters in animated films that are just that big and take up that much of the screen. So they had quite a lot of work how mm. they were going to make it make it work because just in his movement and everything else and how he moved around and but you know it took him five years but they nailed it yeah absolutely and it's good fun and it's it's playful it's it's very accessible obviously it's very very um appealing to the kids as it would be but even more than ever i think this one because it's got there's the cuddly toy element to it it's, it's like yeah. they're um they're cuddly toys a bit isn't it as well yeah, and the whole concept of being scared. This is the thing with with films. The the whole idea of should children be scared? Is it a bad thing? No, I think it can be a good thing. Well, within reason, of course. Um, and this is playing on that whole narrative about that, isn't it? It's great. It's it's really good. The, the notion of monsters, the monsters in the closet, yeah. literally manifested in this case. It's great, <laughs> but they're there doing a job because, and that's what they have to do. And they've studied for it, and they've trained for it, and they yeah. have to do this. Yeah, that's to it. Pow- this power their world, yeah. And uh, some of them quite, are proper quite... scary as well. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been being kept up at night, have you, Phil? No, but my eldest, my eldest watched this when she was about three and she's 15 next month and still won't watch it again because she's terrified of it she'll, <laughs> she'll, she'll spend the rest of the time watching stranger things or whatever else no won't bat an eyelid but yeah mention monsters inc and no <laughs> never watching it again <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant uh, that's a classic because it is about when you watch it isn't it that, that yeah. emotiveness to, to it that's that's really interesting actually so, yeah, I mean, very good. Very good choice, I think, at number five there for you. Should we go into our fours? Yeah, brilliant. Okay, well, I've gone number four. It's one of the – a little bit later down the line. So Pixar very much established by this point in time. We're into 2008, and we're talking Wall-E. Uh, E for anyone that doesn't know how that's spelled. So it's uh, just the basic concept is, in the distant future, a small waste-collecting robot – inadvertently embarks on a space journey that will ultimately decide the fate of mankind. And this is, again, we, we talked about they're using toys and cuddly animals or whatever rather yeah. than humans in these earlier films. Here you've got a little bit later down the line, but they've gone the other way. They've gone to something that's not only that, but actually is just robotic. And yes. it's set on this, you know, this waste planet, isn't it? He's, he's yeah. going around. He's basically a fastidious jobs worthy robot who just very meticulously will just keep doing his job making cues of everything yeah exactly yeah and he comes up against awkwardness and suffers he thinks no this this isn't this is a square peg round hole this doesn't work ah what's going on and that's that's the whole amused kind of background to it and then he's then thrust into this world again it's like this discovery of other worlds you know beyond your little bubble He's in a bubble, isn't he? This 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 robot, yeah. and he discovers through this strange kind of broadcast that's in this this place of, of a TV program that he gets hauntingly addicted to, doesn't he? This other world. Yeah. He's got this this notion of oh, there's something else out there, and the story goes on from there. And what I love about this is they've they've made this quite emotional depiction of a cube more or less of metal <laughs> yeah no i can really agree more it's it's brilliant that they've managed to make this some something i suppose you could say 
that rather than somebody that you care about and they've 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 created emotions and they've evoked emotions in this robotic character it's yeah so, genius. i mean the, the first no not too much of a spoiler but the first half of the film is set on the kind of waste planet and the second half of the film is set in space and yeah. in the first half of the film there's literally no dialogue whatsoever. It's all um, the robots. Not many of them don't really have voices. They communicate with like R2D2 really. They communicate with just sort of sounds and body language. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's beautifully done. So, I mean, to kind of do that, I think what the people at Pixar did, they watched loads and loads and loads of silent films to watch how people emoted and um, spoke, but without, a voice so they were watching charlie chaplin and buster keaton every single day when they were making this and you could see it you could see it's all it comes out well, all of the all of the it, kind of robots are all individual all brilliant or you know it's so wonderful exactly done. i mean that's what i was going to go on to say this this is what i love about this i i'm a fan of film right the way back when i'm an absolute huge fan of keaton chaplin lauren hardy um, Harold Lloyd, all of that stuff from the very early days. And it really does have a sense of that really old school cinema because they're having to depict a narrative with no real dialogue going on at all. There's sound, but there's no dialogue. Yeah. There's no, there's no um, uh, exposition of any sort apart from what they tell through visuals. And that's what silent cinema was effectively. You'd have yeah. intertitles on silent cinema sometimes. But they wouldn't. There'd be few and far between those those elements. So it, you wouldn't really get any worded kind of narrative. It would all yeah. just be told through pictures, which is the purest cinema you could say. And this is a hark back to that, and a look to the future at the same time for me. And I, I thought it's absolutely beautiful. It's stunning to look at as well. It again, is. They, it's, it's Andrew Stanton again, isn't it? So he did yeah. Finding Nemo and basically yeah. said, right, that's it. I've mastered underwater. Going to do space next. That's what he did. <laughs> the final frontier, right? Yeah. Yeah. Again, <laughs> it was conceived over one of their many lunch breaks. And they were kind of like, well, we worked out how to do everything underwater. Yeah, yeah let's make let's make a space film next. Well, clearly but, the Pixar canteen is the creative space here, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we're hearing more and more. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, again, in terms of the underlying themes and topics, this film probably has more than any other Pixar film. I mean, there's a lot of subtle digs that corporatocracy, consumerism, waste management, environmentalism, obesity, global yeah. catastrophe, nostalgia. It's it's a lot to say about all of them. But, but through the medium of a little droid that doesn't actually talk, it's so yeah. cleverly done. Yeah, and, and that that um, density of detail is always something I always appreciate in films. We talked about both loving Parado uh, Parasite as our film of 2020, yeah. uh, as in UK release year, um, and you know just about, that's a new film. But going back to this one from 2008, very much the same. It's it, the the level of detail, the, the double meanings, the treble meanings in there. The, the amount of overlapping layers is just adds a, a richness to it, which you feel when you're watching it as well, even on a subconscious level. And it's, it's great. I love, I absolutely love it. It's beautiful, as you said, to look at. In terms of voice talent, as you probably imagine from what we described, it wasn't really about the voice no. too much. But, but there's one figure that stands out, Sigourney Weaver's. Weaver. There, which I forgot. Well, there's, a yeah. lot, there's a lot of kind of Easter eggs 
referencing mm. old sci-fi films in this. If you're a sci-fi nerd like me, you can see little kind of echoes and mentions of other films. So she basically, she does the voice of um, Axiom's computer, mm. which is very similar to kind of the mother cute computer in Alien, which she was in, one of her very, very first films. Of course, films. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but she was the only kind of one, yeah, only, yeah, I mean, only voice is... you really recognise. Exactly. And, and it, I mean, it's depicting a deserted earth. That's, that seems to be the concept of it, doesn't it? Which is the thing. And, um, I mean, he's, there's a probe sent, um, by the starship axiom that you've just mentioned. Um, and of course, the, that character's name, uh, the, it's another robot is Eve, which of course is no coincidence yeah. they picked that as the name. There's some meanings yeah. behind that too. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's about circularity of life, you could say, couldn't you? Um, yeah. You look at the Big Bang and how the world has completely recalibrated itself through various mega activities that have happened in the past. We'll probably have another one of those and none of us will exist anymore. But in the yeah. meantime, we, we can still sit back and enjoy films like that. And again, it's beautiful to watch. That. I mean, I looked at most Pixar films have, they make about 75,000 storyboards for this one had 125,000 storyboards. Wow. For it. Wow. You just, oh, it's a fully realized world that they've they've kind of done and uh, yeah. and just one sort of mentioned on the humans that are in it at the end so these are humans that are completely lazy and don't really need to do anything apart from sit around in their spaceship in zero gravity so they basically become great big kind of blobs that just sort of yeah. float around all over the place They've all, it's, it's really interesting they're thinking well if the world continues this is where we're going to be in the future yeah <laughs> excellent well that, that's it for me for number four so Wally is sitting proudly in at four um, what have you got at four Phil? no well a couple more words on Wally oh no, no ca- carry on, on it, because Sorry, it may yeah. or may not be coming along later um, okay one of, the, one of the interesting things about it well there's, there are two interesting things about it one is that and um, they said no need for a sequel. That's it. Story's done. That's it. We've, we've we've set out what we wanted to do. It's finished. We won't do a sequel. And there's nothing. There's no great big shareholder thing behind the saying, But this made loads of money. Make another one. Make a TV show. So they know we told the story. It's finished. And one of the other kind of interesting things behind it is there is literally no merchandising for this whatsoever. When you think about it, the kids have all got cars. Oh, yeah. They've all got Toy yeah. Story. But they kind of looked at Wally and thought, well, we don't need to. It's a film. You know, we're just going to put it out. People will watch it and people will love it. People aren't going to cuddle up with a little Wally or anything like that. So we, we, we kind of won't bother, you know? Yeah, they, they could have done, couldn't they? They could have done. They could have had yeah. Yeah, metallic toys. It's a thing, you know, could easily have been. But no, I'm not giving that any thought, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. And um, one last review on this. So this is one of the very favourite films of no less than Terry Gilliam, who's a massive fan. It says the art, the social comment, the scenes. It's a stunning piece of work. And who are we to disagree? Yeah, that's a good way to end that one. Yeah, excellent. Right, yes, you're number four then. What do you have? What did I have for number four? I'm going to have to go through my pages of bits of paper in front of me while you're doing that, right. just to summarise. Oh, no, you got it, you got it. Right, Here we go. go for it. So, let's, well, so for number four, I thought, well, I'm only going to pick one film from each franchise. And so for number four, 
it was a toss up between Toy Story or any of the other Toy Story films. I've actually gone for Toy Story 3. Whereas oh. I kind of love the original, I actually, if I had to watch another one of them again tomorrow of the Toy Story films and think which one would I kind of enjoy the most and like the most, I've gone for, I've gone for Toy Story 3. So in this particular episode, the toys are mistakenly delivered to a daycare centre instead of put away in the attic, which is where Andy wanted to put them when he was going away to college. Um, and it's up to Woody to convince the other toys that they weren't abandoned and that they need to kind of go back home again. Yeah. So, I mean, this it, in terms of, I'll start with some statistics. So this film made serious money. Um, it was... Yeah. The first animated film to go ever go over a billion dollars. It's the highest grossing film of 2010. It was the fourth highest grossing film ever at the time of release. Highest grossing animated film. It's still, I think it's still Pixar's highest grossing film. And yeah, it was a film that was very nearly never made. So coming back to what we said earlier, Pixar initially had a seven year deal with Disney and all the characters were owned by Disney. And in 2004, it looks, they were at loggerheads and it looked like they were going to kind of separate. So Disney started planning making Toy Story 3 without Pixar. So they had they, they, they had a number of scripts written by various different people. Um, one was due, was a murder mystery set at Andy's grandmother's. Another was a malfunctioning buzz that was sent to a factory in Taiwan. Eventually, in the end, Disney bought Pixar, threw away all the other scripts that were nothing to do with them, and they uh, wrote their own script. It was actually written by Michael Arndt, who's uh, quite an eclectic CV. He was also known for films such as Little Miss Sunshine and Star Wars The Force Awakens. He wrote Toy Story 3. By this point, I mean, this is a few years after, since, since the last Toy Story. And so Toy Story 1 was in... 1995 toy story 2 was 1999 this film was 11 years later and when they came along to kind of open all the files on the computer they they obviously had quite a few upgrades and all the all the old versions kept crashing and they also they had to literally start from scratch with everything they didn't have contracts with any of the voice actors so i think they pretty much made the film and sent it to them and said you can up for doing another one here it is and they all signed up pretty much on the spot and it's Not just bad, a brilliant, right? brilliant, brilliant film. Um, there's so much going on. The daycare centre has got so many, the whole Barbie and Ken thing. Initially, yeah. I think Mattel wouldn't let them have the rights to Barbie and Ken, and they worked out they'd actually sell quite a few Barbie and Kens if they were in the Toy Story film. So they were quite happy to put that in. Uh, you've got the really horrible um, bear voiced by Ned Beatty, who's uh, just <laughs> evil, but you kind of see his background and you kind of understand how he became like that. <laughs> You've got all the kids being really scared of the young, the younger kids in the in the daycare because they just paint them and throw them around, and they much want to be with the older kids. I mean, there's all yeah. kind of act, you know, there's a lot of action and adventure in this, and it's it's beautiful to look at. Again, multi meanings, as you said, as well. Yeah, the whole thing of yeah, yeah, loyalty and go, yeah. going back home and leaving home. Yeah, so the Barbie fun. and Ken things again. That's a classic running joke for adults type of vibe, isn't it? That goes on. And um, I mean, what what I love about this film is um, so few films through history 
have have spawned a the beginning of a trilogy yeah. that is broadly speaking equally as good. Even films yeah. I love in, for the past, such as The Godfather, one and two are unbelievably good films. Three is decidedly disappointing by comparison. Yes. You can't say it's a good trilogy. Um, no. They've kept the look of the other two, but not nothing more. Yeah. With Toy Story... I, mean, Mark, I um, think Mark, Mark, Mark Kermode called it the best movie trilogy of all time. Yeah, and I think he might be right, because I can't think of anything... That I, really I think Lord, Lord of the Rings will, will have it for me, but this will probably be a second. Possibly, I do. I, I absolutely adore the Lord of the Rings films, but I do think there's a there's some flaws in there. I'm not, yeah. I, I think these are pretty perfect. These films, in general, I mean, Toy, Toy Story, I, I, Toy Story, the original one is fantastic, and the third one, mm. the second one was, I think, was originally they were kind of planning it for being a straight to video kind of thing, and I think, oh, right. and then it was that was one of the many arguments between I think Disney and Pixar was if it goes straight to video, does it count as one of our film deal or doesn't it? And et cetera, et cetera. And I have to say, I was anxious when the third one came out on this whole, this whole point of the trilogy. We talked about the, 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 in the shade of the previous film, Toy Story 2 comes out. Oh, it's great. It turns out to be, despite what you've just said there, it found its way to a theatrical release and it was good. And people went, oh, that's great. It was, it was actually pretty much as good as the first one. Then to have the third one come out and everyone thought yeah. that was good as well, it John, was. Well, Don't do John, another one. John Lasseter did the first two and he did a lot of the yeah. kind of earlier films. This was Lee Ungrich's very first film. I mean, I know, yes, yeah. co-directed Sixth Century, but I, he must yeah. have been feeling the pressure. He really Yeah, must exactly. Have. I mean, it's a big risk to... To, to, the, to an extent, to spoil it, as the Godfather, a lot of people say, to spoil to give that example again. So here you go, you go with the third one. I was very anxious about it. And as I sat down and watched it in the cinema and, and the story started to unfold and you realised you were in good hands, yeah. you thought, wow. I mean, it, that opening is scene is like, it's like a James Bond film. It's straight in with a kid playing with the action. Yeah. and uh, It's just yeah, like you're brilliant. just immediately from the first second just swept off into this world. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a terrific film. Um, and obviously, as we now know, a fourth one comes out, and you have the same sensation of thinking, "Don't screw this up now! Why are we doing another one? Can't we leave that one?" You're very good at coming out with new storylines. Here we are doing another sequel. Do we really want to do this? And again, it's it's not a bad film. The fourth one is it really? It's, I think. it's like I think it's the opposite. It's creepy, Star Wars. actually. The Star Wars film, Star Trek films rather, than mm. Star Trek films, the even number ones are the best. I think in Toy Story, it's the odd number ones are the best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think yeah. so. Um, I think Tom Hanks has now said that that's it. I'm not doing any more. We've kind of told the story. <laughs> That'll be the final film. Next year, yeah. we are getting a film called Lightyear, which is a prequel set around Buzz Lightyear's um, adventures before he became a toy. <laughs> Origin story. We get an origin <laughs> story. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, we, we shall we'll wait and see. It does feel like the whole... mechanisms of major corporations kind of putting the feelers out to well, I mean, get into in, other... in um, 2019, Pixar came out and kind of said, we're done with sequels for the time being. We're not saying we won't do them again in the future. We're going to focus on origin stories for the time being because that's what we want mm. to do. Um, yeah. And that's what they are. They are doing at the moment. But I think this is going to be a slightly different one. We shall uh, we shall wait and see what happens. But I mean, I, the whole Buzz Lightyear, but before he knows that he's the toy, I think I mean, it might be quite interesting. Yeah, I mean that that's a brilliant concept with the Toy Story films, isn't it? That 
Buzz Lightyear's lack of self-awareness. Do you know, do you know who came up with genius. that? Genius. That came I in know. and did it. That was Joss Whedon, who at the time was oh, really? busy with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He kind of yeah. brought, because I think when they made, originally made the Toy Story films, you've got to remember these guys that had been making, they, these were like animation um, geeks that had been making short films that were three or four minutes long. None of them have ever written a film or directed you've got, a film. You've got this thick-skinned buffoon character who's, who's quite an yeah. archetype in, in various forms, but it's just a brilliant new twist on that, isn't it? It's great. It's such a good character. Yeah. Clearly the star of the of the film, if you can call it that. Um, um, more than Woody, who's, of course, the more famous one. He's more fa- Well, I'd say yeah. more famous than the merchandise. He's not actually, is he? I think Buzz Lightyear probably is. But, you know... It, the image is is of Woody because of I think the posters probably had him more prominently in the, in my mind's eye at least. But Buzz Lightyear, that concept, that's yeah. the character, isn't it? It just makes it. It's all the comedy comes from that, really, yeah. isn't it? It's complete lack of self awareness. It's just brilliant. Love it. Great and, film. And what one last thing? So uh, Quentin Tarantino called this the best film of 2010. So there you go. Mm. Again, who are we to argue with such royalty? And I love the fact that he yeah. comes up with things like that. He, when yeah. he sort of says what his film of the year is, it's never ever what you would expect it to be. So no, that really Brilliant. isn't what I would have imagined him to say. <laughs> yeah, so there we go. So that's number four. Should we do number three before the break as well, in the traditional way? Yeah, go on then. Yeah. Okay. So I've gone number three. Actually, this was the other thing I wasn't quite sure about which order to put three and two in. I've gone yeah. at number three with up. So I put up, down, so to speak. <laughs> Could have put it at number two. Um, another great film, 2009. Uh, and this is a film which is centres around two characters, an old man and a young lad called Russell, by the way. Great name, I have yeah. to say. Um, and he inadvertently stumbles into an adventure with the old man through reasons we won't explain other than to say it's to do with balloons. And yeah. um, this sequence... Uh, this this film has this opening sequence. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll do a feature on opening sequences uh, yeah. in its own right later as one of our themed episodes. But this, we, we talked about Tom Hanks on a previous episode, and of course he's featured in Toy Story. We've talked about um, uh, just opening sequences in Saving Private Ryan, for example. Yeah. Here you've got another one in Up, which is a stroke oh, of genius. Yeah. It's utterly brilliant. They they essentially give you the life story and montage of this old man and how he's come to be where he is now as a single guy, lonely, you know, falling into this awkward old couple situation with the, the young lad. But his backstory, you just see it told through pictures, still still shots in montage. And it's done, as you said, beautifully to the point where you're brought to tears or you might be brought to tears after five minutes of the film, yeah. how many times does that It's absolutely happen? devastating, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure create I've ever that seen... nothing. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a film where I've been in tears in the first five minutes. No. And I was there. I, was, I thought, wow, this is incredible. And you can't, you know, I mean, that is the, the thing about this film, which I love the most, is, is that, really, uh, to put it bluntly. Um, it's a great film in general. It holds its own. It carries on nicely as a narrative. I don't think it's quite got as much intricate detail as some other films, maybe. But um, I do I do think it's got a lot to it. And that it's about relationships. And again, you know, you're talking about a kid's yeah. film here. 
and it's playing on the whole notion of relationships. Um, yeah. Again, it's a, it's a kid, one of the two characters. Who's, Looking who's, back on your life and all these kind of things and regrets yeah. and nostalgia. Yeah. Never meet, ne- never meet your heroes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's almost gone a new twist on the Wizard of Oz, isn't it? You know, she, she gets caught in a tornado and gets flung into some fantasy world. He's kind of got caught on a house and kind of just gone up in a balloon, really. Yeah. <laughs> so, I interesting. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's a great film. It, it is beautiful. I do think that the kind of, whereas I think Wally was a film of two halves, and the first mm. half was better than the second half, but the second half was still great. I think with Up, it's the film of two halves. And I think the first half so good that the second half, I thought, was a little maybe disappointing. I think it became mm. a little bit predictable towards the end. But I don't know how else they could have done it, really. But it's it, it's still a, a sort of nine out of ten film, you know. Yeah, exactly. And and that's actually what I was going to say as well. The same thing about the two halves. And I think in the end, that's why I chose this to go to three instead of two was because the, the film I've got at two, which we'll come to later, I just think had a bit more detail yeah. and a bit more playfulness and a bit more to it um, in general. But I do, I do think it's, it's beautifully done, directed by Pete Doctor, who you mentioned yeah. as one of the uh, one of the main players. In he did Pixar. much to think, yeah, as well. Yeah. Co-directed by Bob Patterson. Uh, Bob- Peterson, who's also popped up in a number of other credits, um, and he, um, yeah, I, I think I'm trying to. Remember. Oh yeah, the music as well was good in it as well. Michael yeah. Giacchino, Giacchino, I think it's pronounced. He does quite yeah. a lot of their yeah. films. Yeah, who did? Uh, well, the, there's The Incredibles and Ratatouille, which may or may not get mentioned later. Yeah. I don't know, but the, yeah, which are both good. I think in terms of music, great films, definitely. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll maybe talk about something along those lines later. Who knows? We'll find out. Um, I haven't really got much more to say about it than that, actually. I love the whole 1930s kind of Art Deco airships and everything, the design of it. it, You can see they're trying not to make the same film twice visually or in any medium, really, but every film has its own different look. It's not like a Disney princess film where they could all be sat within the same kind of extended universe. Each one of these has a complete and utter distinct identity. And I love that. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good shout. Excellent. So that's my number three. So what what have you got, Phil? So for my number three, I've gone for The Incredibles. Oh, Oh, there we go. We mentioned it just now, didn't we? So, yes. Well, it's the nearest you get to a James Bond film and any excuse to talk about James Bond film. (laughs) So this is the um, a family of undercover superheroes while trying to live the quiet suburban life are forced into action to save the world. Um, And it's it's a kind of homage to sort of 1960s comic books and spy films. So this film was actually done by Brad Bird, who this was the first time. When was this? When did this one come out? incredible so this was their sixth Uh, film 2004 Um, yeah so brad bird who kind of the main mind and and uh, influence behind this film he's not a kind of pixar graduate he's not one of these guys that have been with pixar for 10 years or 20 years like the rest of them he was Mm -hmm. a mate of john lassiter's from university he just had a massive flop with the iron giant film that he'd made bumped into by chance John Lasseter, not really sure what he wanted to do. And he was kind of approaching middle age and he really wanted to make really, really big height. He had massive aspirations for the films that he wanted to make, but he didn't know whether he could do 
achieve his career goals whilst still being present in his kids' lives because they're so all-encompassing, which is kind of the story behind the the kind of underneath story that we've been talking about behind The Incredibles. It's the whole story of the dad who wants to run off and do these things, but he still wants to look after his kids and how and living in these completely two different worlds and how can he do it? And yeah, and, and it's just it's a a cracking adventure, action adventure, spy caper. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it plays on conventions, doesn't it, on the the past. We talked in the Tom Hanks episode about Catch Me If You Can and the title sequences and that classic yeah. part to the old school kind of title sequences. And this does that as well, amongst very, very many other things. Yeah. You've got, it's got a real retro feel to it. The music we mentioned yeah. just a minute ago I mean, they, is great. They, they, they um, for the music they wanted a kind of what they call retro futuristic. So what they thought the future was going to be like in the 1960s. And so they thought we want that. We basically, we want the Honor Majesty's Secret Service soundtrack. But they <laughs> turned around to um, John Barry and tried to get him in. And he had no interest in retreading past glories. So uh, it, they got Michael Giacchino in and they recorded all in analog tapes and along those lines. So it kind of had that retro retro thing to it, but and it fits that medium absolutely, absolutely perfectly. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a terrific film. Um, uh, speaking of animated characters, my cat's just strolled into into the equation, <laughs> so you might hear some there, meowing. Yeah. <laughs> the classic wonders of, of recording from home. You might hear some meowing. It's it's a hungry cat, but she's going to have to wait. Anyway, yeah. um, Elastic Elastic Girl. Um, you've got Edna, haven't you? The, yeah. Who's the um, the gadget designer? Yeah, of, yeah. The suit designer. She's, yeah, she's brilliant. Yes, darling. Hello, darlings. <laughs> <laughs> and she's she's probably the biggest. I think the, the the strongest image I take from the film when I think of the Incredible. She's probably the the character I think of instantly first. Then maybe yeah. the dad, who's who's obviously depicted in in comedy circumstances, being this huge barrel chested guy. Yeah. In a tiny car driving to a job, commuting yeah. to work, and obviously that deliberate anomaly between what he wants to be and what he is, or what he has to carry on being, yeah. and the whole family man slog and everything else, which is a which is a large story. part of the film. Um, while they were making yeah. it, um, Hayao Miyazaki actually went and visited while they were making it and looked through the story reels, and he said, "Well, that's kind of adventurous for your sick film. This is the most un-American, big American film I've." kind of ever seen oh right it's a kind of opposite of the american dream where you can have everything you want but here you're saying you can't you've got to choose between doing this or doing that you can't you can't you know be in both worlds which is which is true Um, yeah that's observations from miyazaki it's uh impressive indeed and yeah it really is it is like that isn't it and he he it is really the driving force is him isn't it the the, the dad his constant struggle to try and be the dad but be what he wants to be as well to fill his potential. So he's struggling with, as you said, the American yeah. dream versus the obligations and realities of family life or whatever else. Um, but it's got, it's got great scenes in it. You know, there's yeah. loads of comedy capers, chase sequences, um, as you said, think, all, the, all the stuff to do with the technics, te- technical stuff and the gadgetry and the yeah. costumes and all that stuff. I mean, it's Brad great. Bird must have driven driven Pixar bloody mad because he kind of came in <laughs> and he didn't have the CGI background that they all had. And he didn't know what was easy and what was difficult. And so he oh, just yeah. said, hmm. oh, this is a story I want to tell. I've got no idea. I'll make it completely freedom. 
and they have real problems. So they've never had to do human characters before, before this film, and they have real yeah, problems. Yeah, of course, this, as you said, 2004, out, the first one. Yeah, how do we do human anatomy? How do we do human clothing? How do we do skin, hair? And they also had to do, for quite a lot of the action scenes, they had to do fire, water, smoke, clouds, things yeah. like that, which they'd never done before. So I think they really it's had all, to push the technology quite, to the maximum. Yeah, it's a lot more challenging than people might think. Small little incidental details can be so challenging. I love the Wallace and Gromit films and Arvind yeah. stuff in general. And they're talking about doing tears and how to use cling film to, to yes. put tears and the eyes and stuff like that. And some of the things you think will be easy are not and vice versa, um, maybe as well. But, the, but the, the trickiness of some of the things they have to do, and the, as you said, the work that goes on for years yeah. to make a film. You just like watching this. it, you don't appreciate, I think, any no. of that. You just, you just see it and think, that's Yeah, cool. because it's fun. You just yeah. you just let it seep over you. You enjoy it, and then. But the beauty of that is, you can go back and watch it again and again, and start to appreciate more and more details, bits of narrative you yeah. miss, but lots of lots of those visual details that you realise over time how much work's gone into the film when you see that. The, the same with the classic Disney stuff, musicals yeah. or otherwise. Phil, um, the, the <laughs> visuals on the old Disney films are beautiful. The hand painted stuff. Yeah. Um, one you know, thing I think this is kind of a little bit different to your classic Disney, which I like, is hmm. um, if you, the normal kind of Saturday morning, morning kind of cartoons that this is kind of based on, the villains hmm. in them are usually rubbish. They're just caricatures who are just completely unrealistic and yeah. completely inefficient and non-threatening. And you, you never really think that anything bad will happen. In this, they're trying to kill the children. You know, there's no messing yeah. about. He's trying to kill as many, kill the kids as badly as he can use deadly force. And he's got no qualms about it. And at the same time, the kids will just kill the henchmen back again, show no emotion, which is kind of <laughs> quite a big thing when you think about it for a kid's film. It's just, you yeah. think they'd be a bit, they just blew that up and there were X number of people on board. <laughs> they show no regret or anything like that. Yeah. They just realize this is what I have to do to protect my family. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, yeah I mean no it's it's a, it's a superhero film with a difference, isn't it? It's it's a nice yeah. little new take on that. But they they do play into those conventions well, and, and the idea of the archetypal archetypal villain is is kind of um it's just riffed off in a different way here, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I think it's it's interesting what they've done with it, definitely. Mm. Yeah. So I I've got to admit, um, the sequel I thought was great fun, but in, for once it was about half an hour too long, so most of these films are a, quite a nice sort of taut 90-95 minutes the sequel mm. was like two hours and it had a bit of padding in it and yeah. they, they couldn't I remember time from it. When the sequel came out I remember being enthused by it, thinking well, based on what they've done with Toy Story and other things yeah. they might do a good job with the sequel here, great, let's go and see it, and I remember thinking the same as you, it was a bit too long it wasn't quite as tight or as punchy yeah. as the previous one I did think it was, I think when I came out and thought about it for a while, I did think, actually, yeah, I really like that. I think I it was did really enjoy I, it. Then I first thought, but I, it's I, not, yeah, it's not as good as the original, but no. it is It is a decent sequel. It's worth seeking out. If, you, yeah, if you've seen the original and not the sequel, it's worth checking out. Yeah. But well, um, I think one of the things that happened was they had a, they had a, because were they part, by the time that the sequel came out, they were part of Disney and Disney's stock listed or whatever, etc and therefore they have to report to their shareholders and they have to announce release dates x number of years in advance and they had to put another film back where they had to bring the incredibles 2 forward and they lost a lot of the development time and they i think they felt that they rushed it quite a bit (laughs) sorry russell's cat's just appeared on the screen (laughs) Um, 
so but on the um so so that it, it has does have that thing of they could have spent a bit more time mm. on it and maybe honed it a little bit more but it's still a great film but one of the things they have said you can hear the cat um, is they've got a lot of ideas left over should they ever decide to make a third one in the future they haven't yeah that's true i think all the, the cast have expressed interest in reprising their roles they've got they still because the second one didn't tie up all the plot lines we may it would not surprise me that in five years time after they've made a load of kind of original stories they they're not going to go back to Toy Story. They're probably not going to go back to Cars. They can't really go back. Well, they to might Nemo. revisit this one. How? What yeah. other? What other kind of franchises have they got left? I imagine this would probably be near the top of the list. It's a good filler, maybe if they can write a good enough story. The beauty is being animation. The characters. I mean, I know your voice can change a bit, but yeah. essentially you don't age, so you can do no, it whenever, exactly. can't you? As well. Yeah. Yeah. So as long as they're still alive, it's all good. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's weird because when I when we were doing this, preparing for this, I forgot there was a sequel, which is interesting. Yeah. And then I went, oh, yeah, of course, there was an Incredibles 2. And then I thought, oh, yeah, I did actually quite like that as yeah, well. Yeah. But it's interesting I had forgotten about that, whereas I hadn't forgotten the about Incredibles, the Toy Story sequels. The, the, coming back to what we've been talking about before, The Incredibles has got this underlying story and message, whereas The Incredibles 2, to me, was three or four massive set pieces strung together by a flimsy plot, all of which were fantastic to watch, but you weren't really mm. thinking about it much a couple of days afterwards. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so there we go. So that's your number three. So just to sum up so far, I've got number five, Finding Nemo. You've gone Monsters, Inc. Number yep. four, I've gone Wally, and you've gone Toy, Toy Story, Story 3. three as the pick of the Toy Stories. Sounds like your only one, but we're not completely sure yet. Uh, number three, I've gone up, and you've gone The Incredibles. Incredibles. And we have our twos to come up after a break, don't we, Phil? Brilliant. Catch you in a second. Excellent. Back in a mole. Suitably refreshed aren't we phil we've had got another beer yeah (laughs) in my favorite motorhead glass stolen from the um one of my favorite pubs in brighton oh that looks nice that looks like a stein or is it stein is that the right pronunciation yeah it was i I was having a beer a couple of years ago in the lion and lobster and and we had a motorhead beer on and they put, gave me a really big, thick motorhead beer glass and it fell into my pocket and I woke up with it the next morning. Well, funny how that happened. You know, <laughs> I ended up with a Czech beer glass, funnily enough, from my trip to, to the Czech Republic, which we've still got, which looks very yeah. similar to that. Um, by the way, Phil is into heavy metal, if you haven't already noticed. He's wearing an Iron Maiden shirt as well, a T-shirt, I should say, uh, black, of course. Mm. And, um, yeah, and, yes. and he likes his beers too. Fair play to him. Yes. Right, well... We, we were talking about our top our top fives, fives to threes, weren't we? And we've, we've yes. summed up what we've got where. Your number two was in... Uh, we haven't sorry, had much overlap yet. We normally have had quite a bit of overlap by now. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got Finding Nemo and Monsters, Inc., Wally and Toy Story 3, Up and The Incredibles. There's no, there's no overlap at all. Mm. However, <laughs> that's about to change. And yes. rather annoyingly, because at number two, remember I was umming and ahhing about Up and something else, at number two, in favour, in, in, in contrast to up, I've gone for at number two, 
The Incredibles. So rather awkward timing because we've just yes. been talking about The Incredibles. So there's not really much more to say, actually. Um, I don't I don't know if there's any more I can add. Other than to say, I just think this is a, a wonderful film in terms of the, the detail. I love the look of it. I love the sound of it. I like the characterization, the playful, uh, amusing yeah. undertones to the to the film. As you said, it's it, Brad Bird. It's an interesting new element to to the Pixar studio tome as well, and um, it's got some great memorable characters in it. As for, we said, Edna's kind of, classic. Throughout the kind of fifties, sixties, seventies, even into the eighties, you got quite a lot of caper films, and they don't really mm. do them anymore. And it's something I miss. I like. Yeah, caper. I do. I, I do. like a caper. You know, that's a good shout. Maybe we should make one film. Yeah. No. Well. Yeah. <laughs> if only you knew a film director, maybe we could get get one of them to do it. Do you know any film directors, Phil? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have a friend, but I, I'm not sure if that's his milieu or not. <laughs> no, probably not, actually, knowing who it is. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, anyway, so yeah, number number two, I've gone with The Incredibles. And I, there's not much more to say, really. We've, we've covered it all. Um, other than to say, I just felt that the, the level of detail uh, of, of in terms of memory as well, looking back on this film, because I didn't watch it back, actually, for this. I, I just went back on my memory of having seen yeah. it a couple of times before. But the amount I remember about this film and the amount I remember loving about this film, I think superseded Up. And that's why in the end, as you said, also this two halves thing to yeah. the narrative on Up is why in the end I, I tipped in favour of The Incredibles. And I love those kind of films. I mean, it's it's a little bit like North by Northwest in one sense, isn't yeah. it? That whole, cape, as you said, caper yeah. movie kind of feel to it. And... Um, I love the way it, it plays with genres. It plays with different narrative conventions. It's 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 a great film. It's a great film. I'll say no more about it, and I'll, I'll ask you for your number two. So my number two is Wally. <laughs> so <laughs> another that, film that we've already gone through in uh, quite a lot of detail. So this is I where the challenge is on this podcast, isn't it? How are you going to make this sound well, fresh norm now? Normally, our sort of top threes are almost identical. We get to count down them together, whereas we've Ooh. spent our time going through them. And, and, now, and I'm pretty sure you're now going to tell me your number one's Toy Story. <laughs> no, no comment. <laughs> we'll come to that in a minute. <laughs> yeah, so number two, well, nothing to add on what we said already. Wally, mm. it's, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful film. I never got to see it at the cinema, and I wish I had, because this is the oh. sort of thing that you need to watch on a big screen, not on a, no matter how big your telly is, you know? Well, I have to say that's a tragedy in itself, but the fact you've put it at number two, despite not seeing it on the big screen, yeah. which could have influenced your decision-making, is testament to how good it is. Yeah, yeah. And, it, yeah, it's... A, as with all these these films, they're, they're visual feasts as well. They should all be seen on the big screen, by the way. If you can, definitely I would recommend that. But if, if not, check it out in any form you can. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great film, isn't it? Um, I absolutely loved it. I think it's it's sweet as well, isn't it? But not in a bad way. Mm. You could use the word sweet to describe a film that's not normally good. No. That's not good. Especially me. <laughs> <laughs> Usually ironically mentioned, isn't it, yes. in that case? But... Yeah, this. I mean, it's great. I mean, there's no more to say about it, really. This is the problem with the overlaps when they when they happen, but they happen yes. when they happen. What can we say? What can we say? Should we go straight into number ones then? Straight to your number one then. Okay, it is on a Toy Story theme. You are correct. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it to you, Phil. Do you reckon it's number one, two, three, or four? I reckon you're gonna go for number one. 
I was very, very sorely tempted to go for number one. And the fact that I didn't, and that's no love, therefore not in the top five at all, is, shows that this whole thing is a complete farce. Yeah. <laughs> I, I must admit, I thought I can't put two Toy Story films in. I just no, it would have been it. too much. So do you know what I went for? I went for Toy Story 3. <laughs> a man of exceptional taste. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's for the reasons you've said, the extra layers of detail in, in the story. The first one was the first one. And it's beautiful. It's while, a great film. While you can never capture that lightning again, by the time they made Toy Story 3, that was their 11th film. I think so. They yeah. had the formula down pat, and they knew exactly yeah. what they were doing. They had the right people in the yeah. right place to make it work. Yeah. But know. it's so easy for that to still go wrong. And the fact that they didn't, there was no missteps in there at all. Mm. And it has those extra details that you've described when you were talking about it earlier. And so it, it's got the extra layers as well. And the fact that this completed the trilogy, as we said, Mark Kermode said as well, possibly yeah. greatest trilogy ever in terms of all three films are just so good. I think if anything, two is maybe slightly the weaker of the three. But um, but overall, I think there's a good argument to say this is the best of the three. I wanted to have one of them in and I didn't want to have more yeah. than one in because I felt it wasn't fair to the rest of the pantheon. Yeah, yeah. And so I've got, funnily enough, gone for the same one, Toy Story 3. There we go. Right. Now, <laughs> is there another twist in the tale or is it going to be another crossover? As we no, come to Big Phil's a, number one. My number one, and I absolutely love this film. There's course, no other no. film quite like this. <laughs> I have gone for Inside Out, my favourite mm. Pixar film. Yeah, which was another one close to my heart. Just yeah. missed out on the five or, or the six. Yeah. It's another Pete, Do- Pete Doctor film. He did Monsters, Inc. And then he did Up and then he did Inside Out. Um, Not bad. So eh? this is... Um, there's a lot going on in this film. Um, so <laughs> it's about a young girl called Riley. Um, she's uprooted from her Midwest life, in hockey playing life in Minnesota, and uh, has to move to San Francisco because of her dad's work. And her emotions, joy, fear, anger, disgust and sadness, they conflict on how best to navigate a new city, house and school. Well, that's what the IMDB says. Basically, you see those emotions are fully realised characters within her that you then follow while things escalate out of control in in her life and it's 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 a beautiful beautiful film i love it um so pete doctor um he as a child his family kind of relocated to denmark and he felt constantly judged by all his peers and he kind of shied away from sports and became a bit of a loner and that's when he got into drawing all the time which actually started off his job in animation as he got a bit older he noted his his daughter's personality began to change a bit as she grew older and he kind of thought well is there a film in this so he actually got they got a lot of consultant psychologists in and who helped revise the story and suggested which emotions they should really concentrate on as guiding her so they in the end they went for joy fear anger disgust and sadness and they're all very very different characters with a very very different aesthetic and just watching the the way that her 
kind of mind architecture works as and and trying to deal with all the problems that are going on as starting a new school uh, missing her friends back home everything like that it's it, it it's an incredible piece of work i mean the sheer attention to detail and and thought thought that went into this is fantastic yeah um yeah i mean it was it was close to, it was on my short list it was it was just in behind the other films that i've listed and monsters inc just missed out as well um yeah it's a great film it's really good it's again it's they're hitting the, the, the later day film so far, latter day film so far in the uh, in the story of Pixar. It really you hits can't the imagine on the any other again, studio making anything like this at all. Okay? Exactly. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're talking a company that's part of Disney. They have shareholders. They have to make money. There's going to be pressure on them to make sequels of everything and not really make films like this, but they still do. And and, and I love that. Yeah, I do as well. I think it's it's terrific stuff. Um, a clever idea, a creative idea. Um, you're playing around. I, I like it when you've come up with this concept, and there's there's so many elements you can play around with within this because you've changed took the world. Them a long you know, time. I mean, they spent again five, <clears throat> four or five years developing the characters, trying to make sure they're all different, and thinking, well, what would anger do here? What would fear do here? Setting out all the the mind mind architecture, all the different islands, and the and the train, the train of thought that goes sort of flying around. So while they were making it, Pete Doctor, he kind of they had they this was a, had a very long gestation period. This film, and they really struggled on to kind of how how to get it right. Um, and he felt that it was not working um, after a few years of time on it, and he felt that he was a failure and should just resign. He thought, I can't. This is just too much. It's not happening. Uh, and he went for a walk. And thought, well, if I get sacked tomorrow by Pixar, who, what's, what am I going to miss most about it? And he, he thought, well, it's by co-workers. And from that, he kind of had the kind of eureka moment that emotions are what connect people and that relationships are the most important things in the world. And at that time, he, his story were, was going for more of a comedy thing with, um, joy and fear clashing as they went around did things and he replaced fear mm. with sadness and that and that's when the film went in production and it, it, it i mean it looks yeah. beautiful as well they kind of they based the aesthetic on 1950s broadway musicals so again like a lot of the other films it's a completely different you know palette yeah. that well, it's close with. to your heart isn't it broadway musicals film no <laughs> <But>. <laughs> that's the beauty even Visually, though it's, it's a treat yes yes yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's quite because what you find with Disney and Pixar is you obviously get the Americanization of narrative in general because it's yeah. American protagonists always in the yeah. so you get American accented princesses that just doesn't yeah. real really exist, does it? And yet that's what happens in in Hollywood stories. And um, here you've got a very American archetypal character, uh, a, a female who's trying to be positive, trying to be positive, upbeat. You know, it's, yeah. it's an artifice. There's a forcing through of positivity, trying to stay on the uh, yeah on on a kind of an upward curve. There's there's that element, and that's I mean depicting the, the female characterization within this is is quite a modern thing, isn't it? As well yeah. in terms of you don't really or we haven't traditionally got enough female characterization, strong, yeah. positive, genuine, genuinely forefronted characters in Hollywood stories. Here you have yeah. It's very, and it's very different from what a lot of the films that came earlier because 
right up mm. until he died, Steve Jobs was kind of an overpowering presence on quite a lot of their films and pushing things in a certain way, as was John Lassender, was kind mm. of the, the head honcho who guided everything in a certain particular way usually rightly but by this time he was off being anima- animation head for um disney and so mm. a lot of the kind of the up-and-comers and other people got to work without without that kind of level of management over them and they got and this is a, almost a kind of art house film in, in kind of quite a lot of the things that it kind of talks yeah. about in a similar it's way to Wally beat, was as well yeah yeah they're quite offbeat and that's the beauty of pixar i think yeah. partly because it's animation you can do that can't you you can play with narratives and you can you can naturally go off off piste quite a bit with how you tell a story and and yet you can still make it feel 100% mainstream accessible yeah family entertainment joyful entertaining whatever else you want to call it and which is great yeah. yeah and it was actually I think there was a little bit worried about it but it was actually hailed as something of a return to form for because when it came out so it came out in 2015 um the preceding sort of few films before that were cars 2 brave monsters university so they hadn't hadn't really done mm. had a kind of really big critically acclaimed hit in about 4 or 5 years yeah. was that five was that budgetary reasons was that budgetary reasons not reason? quite sure i think it was just i'm not completely sure i think it was just the way that they were working at the time mm. i think uh, there was probably over, they'd gone through the whole Disney takeover and I think they Disney wanted to start clawing back quite a lot of their seven and a half billion investments. So uh, <laughs> a princess film and a couple of sequels it was, you know, or a few sequels yeah, it was. not too bad, not too bad. But yeah, I mean, that's a film I could easily have had anywhere in my top five as well as, yeah. as, as it happens. I didn't, I didn't include it, but this is the beauty of Pixar. There's a lot of choices and it, it really, as you've seen, we've, we've, We've not agreed on anything there at all, have we? Not Only really. some of the films in a different yes. order, but but none of them in the same order, and um, which tells you a lot, doesn't it? And we'll, we'll get on to talking about the uh, the other the yeah, rest of sure. the catalogue, and um, shortly. But um, as we continue enjoying our lovely on? beers, I'm on the um, Steen Brugge, so it's a, it's a Belgian beer, very oh, nice, very nice. It's uh, it's kind of quite light kind of uh yeah one of those very nice yeah nice looking, nice looking glass where did you pick that one up from oh that's beer 52 i'm on the subscription service with oh, those guys okay. if you're listening anybody from beer and 52 you'd like and you want to sponsor, sponsor us? us yeah you're welcome <laughs> or any other beer won't companies. take much a couple of cans and we're, and we're going <laughs> we're anyone's yeah. yeah and that's nothing to do with the podcast that's in general yeah um no i mean we're 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 suckers for punishment but no we it, it's 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 beer chat, isn't it? It's, it's, it's chatting down the pub about films. That's yes. what it essentially is. Exactly. Except we're doing it on Zoom with bottles and cans. One but, day um, we'll be able to do one in real in real yeah. life. We should, shouldn't we? We should have a live yeah. event, which isn't like a, a, a studio invited audience. Yes. It'll just be us in a pub instead of on Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. But so, uh, um, what, what, so when they were making this film, they got these psycho- mm. a couple of psychologists involved, and they were they were sort of working through all of the different what what, what should they have as their emotions. And I kind of got it down to a short list. And emotions that very, very and there's nearly... Five. Is there's there, five. Is there film fives? It is. But the, <laughs> the, the ones that left, that kind of um, didn't quite make the cut, but were on the short list of emotions to be uh, to become on this, were pride, hope, schadenfreude, and ennui. Imagine trying to explain ennui well, to a, a kid. 
<laughs> Three of those things sound like uh, the average psyche for a football fan. Yeah. The fourth one, I've got to admit, I don't even know what that is. Can you explain? For me and any listeners out there that don't know. So, well, Schadenfreude is hoping that your um, your your peers fail. Yeah. Yeah. And Ennui, I've got to make sure I get this right so that... Um, I put him on the spot here, boys and you girls. Have completely. <laughs> try, try explaining it to a to a child. Try explaining it to the audience. <laughs> it's Our basically an, another word. It's basically another word for boredom. Mm. Oh, okay. All right. That that also sounds like the the average psyche of the football fan. To yes. be fair. Yeah. There we go. Um, <laughs> one of the other things I, I found out about this film that I thought was quite interesting. I don't know how often this happens. To be honest, is that this they kind of localized this film for international audiences. So at the beginning of the film, they go for pizza and they put mm. broccoli on it, and they're like, "That's disgusting." But in other places in the world, broccoli is that believe it or not, people like broccoli. So in Japan, for example, they had to change it to green peppers, and it was a green pepper pizza because apparently the kids yeah. there like broccoli. Mm. Which I don't. Joe, I've got to confess, I like broccoli. I like broccoli. I have to say, one of those. I'm afraid. Yeah. But it is a thing. It's a running joke, isn't it? That um, yeah. it's not liked. I think for us, if it was an if it was an English animation studio, they'd go with Brussels, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Which I also like, <laughs> if properly cooked. Yeah. You you eat them on Christmas Day, and then that's it, isn't it? When you pretty much, but only because that's what we do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so um, in terms of going forwards, this is um, there's no. There's is demand for a sequel. This is not like Wally, where they or where they said this story's over. Currently, Pixar are just committing to original concepts and there are no plans to make a sequel. Although they kind of have said never say never. I mean, it, it, it hmm. it's an idea that I think could be, you know, rolled over. I don't. I mean, if they could stop at number two, that would be great and not go to Inside Out Seven. Hmm. I think as Riley grows up. You know, I think it could be quite interesting to. Um, I mean, they make jokes at the end of "What's this puberty mean?" <laughs> I don't understand what that is, or whatever. I think that I think that there could be a sequel possibly in this. It would be quite interesting, but I think they'd have to do the right take on it. And quite a lot of their sequels don't, with the exception of Toy Story, as we kind of said, don't really offer the kind of more deep thought. They're more just crowd pleasers than. Off, offering the kind of more kind of interesting concepts that you kind of get in the original yeah. films. Well, would you do you think the yeah, the sequel could be called Outside In? Maybe I don't know, something like that. Something um, like that, yeah. <laughs> the other thing with this is, in a way, there's a bit of a parallel between for me for Toy Story and Inside Out in that it taps into the the psyche in different ways. One's about nostalgia, the memory, the childhood. That there's there's a real pang, isn't there, with childhood memories. Um, really strong, yeah. potent memories. And Inside Out's almost like the flip side of that, isn't it? The, the psychology yeah. maybe in, into, well, later later childhood, should we call it adolescence yeah. or, or adulthood? You could yes. tap into it that way. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting subject. But oh, it's a good shout. I think um, it's worthy of a place in the top five. I feel slightly ashamed not to have put it in there now, actually, Phil. Yeah, it, it, you put me on the spot, but I've made uh, a case there's so many choices. It. There is. Yeah. I mean, there were, I mean, there were any number of films that 
I think there are essentially about 10 films that are quite happy, 10, 12 Pixar yeah. films that could have gone into my pop yeah. top five. And if you are screaming at your headphones right now or your uh, your player in whatever form it takes um, about the ones that haven't been mentioned whatsoever yet, Phil is going to give us a rundown on that in a short while. Beforehand, we have some correspondence. Um, yes. Nick... Ansley from Manchester has said, do all, the, do all the Toy Stories count as one film? I've replied, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Robin Woolley, who's in the Northeast, has put in at his top five, Monsters, Inc., number five, Finding, pardon me, Finding Nemo at number four, Inside Out at three, Wally at two, and Toy Story, the original, at number one. Um, which is, you know, again, it's a good selection, isn't it? Yeah. Pretty, pretty decent. One film that we haven't mentioned, apart from in passing so far, gets mentioned in the next list. In fact, this is an interesting list for a couple of reasons. Uh, Josh in North Carolina in the States, a friend of mine over there. He's a Brighton fan. Hello, Josh. Um, he's gone for Bugs good Life. Good evening. <laughs> oh, okay. Good evening, Josh. Bugs Life at number five. We mentioned it in passing, of course. Yeah. That's a good film. It's a good film. The second that's... film, yeah. They, they were still finding their feet a bit then, weren't they? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was only the second film. And it, it was good. And, uh, as we said, Ants was released around the same time, I yeah. think just afterwards, I think. Yeah. Um, but it was a good film. It was good fun. Um, at number four, he's gone for a film I haven't been able to see yet, partly due to cinemas not being open until recently, is Onward. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that mm. in the cinema. That's actually the last film I saw before the cinemas closed last March. Yes, And my that's kids right. made me watch it again it? this mm. week. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like, I like Onward a lot. Um, it doesn't have that kind of classic edge to it, but there's a lot about it to like in that if if you're a nerd like me that grew up playing Dungeons and Dragons as a teenager um, <laughs> and listened to lots and lots of the heavy metal as a teenager, then Chris Pratt's older brother in that is uh, someone that you can kind of empathise with quite a lot. But my, I mean, um, I asked my kids for their top five and my eldest daughter uh, put on with it number one. Uh, she oh. had... And she had another film that we haven't mentioned, which is fantastic, at number five, Coco. Uh, she mm. had Incredibles at four, Incredibles two at three, and Brave, another film that we haven't mentioned, mm. at two. That's so interesting. That's now, is this also. because of the female characterization we're just talking about with Inside Out? Because it's quite a positive role model yeah. figure thing, isn't it? I think when you look at Frozen as well, which is obviously not Pixar, but it's Disney. Yeah. These these kind of these empowered female quite often young characters that's quite a thing isn't yes. it yes my youngest daughter um tills she was very much followed that so her top five are ratatouille at five another film mm. we mentioned finding dory oh. at four monsters inc at three inside out at two and brave at one mm. so that yeah. is interesting. Yeah, but so she, brave is a, really popular. She's with young a ginger girls. princess herself, so I'm not really surprised we put it. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, just going back to Josh's uh, fives yes. as well. Then, so Bugs Life at five, onward at four. He's gone for Wally at three, up at two, and Toy Story, the original Toy Story, at number yeah. one. Um, so thanks for that, Josh. And also one more we as well we had, which is from. Warren, who I think is London moving to Brighton, and he has simply said the angle poise lamp ident times five. That's a great shout. <laughs> so the uh, the lamp 
actually yes, is based lamp. on a short film that they made. So the lamp's yes. name yeah. is actually Luxo Junior. <laughs> you, you know the name of the lamp. This is brilliant. For the 1986 short film of the same name has been their mascot all the way through. Luxor the lamp. Luxo that the Luxo the Luxo. lamp. That's Luxo. right. Yeah. That's brilliant. I love I love this this bit of trivia, Phil. You've done your research. <laughs> I'm impressed. And also you find some worried. fascinating things out when you start looking into these. Um, so m- my wife Camille, her top five. She had uh, Inside Out at five, Wally at four, mm. The Incredibles at three, Toy Story three at two, and Monsters Inc at one. Ooh. So she actually had, the, just realising now, she had the same top five as me, just in a different order. Yeah, and she's gone for Toy yeah. Story 3 amongst the others. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. So all three of us have done that. Your wife, you and me, we've all gone for she Toy Story She was very 3. fierce in her defence of Toy Story 3 is better than Toy Story, and anybody who says otherwise doesn't know what they're talking about. Yeah, and don't, don't mess with Camille, <laughs> I have to say. You know, she said it, that's it. There's, there's yeah, no exactly. arguing. It, yeah, it's down in stone now. And if you're listening, hello, Camille. I'm saying that in the politest way I can to avoid yes. being beaten up. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there's some films. Yeah, I mean, Ratatouille's great film. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the other ones. That. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Ratatouille's that, good. That fun, whole Parisian look is just great. It's just, yeah. it's another. It's just a kind of another aesthetic that is just completely different to anything else that they've done. It's sort of like a, it's a hark back to old hand painted Disney animation, isn't it? In a way, but not. It's yeah. with a twist as well. Which is great. It feels like Lady in the Tramp or something like that, but with a, yeah. with an extra an extra element. And uh, Coco um, is Mexico Day of the Dead, and that's just I mean that's beautiful. It just visually yeah. I saw that for the first time recently. Really good film. Really good. I, I, when I did my sort of plumbing out, I Coco came close. I think I think I put I was between sort of six and seven. I was struggling between Coco and Up, which ones to sort of put where. It was a bit of a, it was a bit of a battle. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a good film, and I, I like the whole Mexican culture vibe. It's good. Again, they've just moved to a, another new field, something yeah. they haven't touched on before. I like the way they keep just chopping and changing and trying yeah. different flavors, and it, it's great. It's good. It's really good. Yeah. One film I was a little bit disappointed with was last year's Soul. So that was another Pete Doctor film. It was okay. Oh, really? You're, you're not, not that... I thought impressed. it was all right. It was great. The problem is they've had so many great original story ideas. Hmm. You now go in expecting to be blown away. And if it's not anything hmm. less than a 9 out of 10, you, you kind of feel shortchanged, which is a difficult legacy to kind of live up to with each film. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that. Same as Onward. I haven't seen Soul yet. It's got... I think it won the Oscar for animated feature didn't yeah. it i think i'm right in saying so. um so i mean i think it won best it might have had a best song thing in there as well i'm not yeah. sure but i'm i i have not seen it so i can't comment yeah. but i have to say i'm interested in having a look at it and as you said it doesn't have to be a nine out of ten you can still if no. it's a six or a seven out of ten that could still be a, a pretty good film yeah. I'm, I'm a hard marker my ratings anything that's over five is worth seeing yeah to be honest and yeah, so I look forward to having a look at it. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've got um, Cars, obviously, uh, who we've mentioned already. Three of I must those. admit, I've only watched the first one and I didn't, Same. didn't really get on with it. I have never, I've never seen Cars 2 or Cars 3. Did you watch Planes or whatever it's called? 
No, that's not a sort of one of the a strict one of the strict. Yeah, it's of, an off, of, of the roster. Thing, it? It's a kind of. I don't think that's classed as being one of their main films, so uh, mm. I haven't seen that either. Um, yeah, as, it just looks like an opportunity for merchandising, and they're better than that. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't, but, I don't but if they, I mean, if they, I once heard that that, that kind of the Teletubbies being sold around the world is what gives the BBC the money to make all kinds of other shows that I actually, and do other things that I quite like. So if they have to make a Cars film every couple of years to put the money in the kitty to make an Inside Out or a Coco, then I've got a problem with that. Yeah, fair play. Yeah, exactly. It's a bit like Michael Caine, isn't it, with his acting. Apparently, you know, that he'll, he'll do any number of films for money in order to then make one or two good ones. Yeah. In, in a decade or something, you know, whatever it is, and yeah, fair play, you know, he's got to make a living. No, that's exactly. the way it's got to be. Add no a few more meal in the bank, yeah, yeah. So, anything else in there? I'm wondering if we missed anything out. I think we've covered no, it all. We? It was, I think they're keeping up the kind of one film a mm. year. Um, I'm, I quite like that Disney isn't pushing them to do anything else. I mean, they're, they're now that Disney Plus is up and running, there will inevitably be. A little bit more content so we we were already alluded to the monsters at work tv show that'll be coming out next year i think luca will be appearing this year and next month i think on disney plus we get light year next year there's another film coming out next year called turning red although no information's been produced on that as of yet um but the fact that they're working on more you know in original content i am intrigued to see where they go next and what they go with. One thing that they're doing a lot of now is trying to get away solely from the American directors. They're trying to employ other people from all around the world to get other other aesthetics. So the next film, Luca, as we said, it's got a kind of got yeah. an Italian seaside kind of like a setting and then that's just going to be beautiful isn't it again there's something completely different to what they've done yeah. before i love it looking at the stuff online it's saying it's directed by enrico casarosa in his feature length directorial debut again they're giving they're giving a yeah. quite a key role to a to a newbie effectively in, in essence also rather interestingly it says the film will be dedicated to italian musician ennio morricone we talked about they were gonna, yeah they were going to ask him to do the soundtrack but unfortunately he didn't he, he passed away before they could ask him yes exactly yeah. yeah and that's a bit of a shame but nonetheless i'm very interested oh, in that anyway. we'll have to see how it goes and you know this i mean we have to remember when we said is there any more to talk about and there, there isn't it's still a fairly young industry isn't it the yeah. pixar concept is not it doesn't go back that far you know toy story was 1995 and so we're talking you know okay that's 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 quite a few years but it's still in the, well, in the it's grand 26 years now no i know yeah. exactly yeah it's not that long really so the list is not as long as it will be on f- for some other subjects that we're going to cover here but it's not bad is it it's not bad no. to have had that many good films already and as you said yeah. 26 years yeah so there we go. Excellent. I mean, that covers that covers it, doesn't it? So just to quickly summarise what we've got there. So our top fives, we went for Finding Nemo. You went for... And I went for Monsters, Inc. Number four, I went Wally. You went... I went for Toy Story 3. At number three, it's up. I went for The Incredibles. But I went for number two, The Incredibles, whereas you I went... went for, I went for Wally. And at number one, I went for Toy Story 3. 
whereas I went for Inside Out. Oh, wonderful. The beauty Be interesting to see what arguments will come up for Golden Seagulls out of this one. We shall see. Yeah, exactly. Just to update you on that, the Golden Seagulls things, we're going to launch an official list of what we've decided on so far. Best films, best directors, best actors, whatever it might be, best on best soundtracks, anything like that. We'll we'll do an, an overall summary on one of the uh, upcoming episodes, yeah. And we might include something from Pixar. I think there's a good chance we might actually fill, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Well, I think that pretty much rounds up this episode. So on that basis, um, thank you for listening, everybody. Um, if you want to find out more about Film Fives, so you can well, apart from the fact that you can check our back episodes which started at the beginning of the year it's once a month basically at the moment so there's five episodes now up if you're listening to this one um they can be found on all the usual platforms it's uh film fives um yeah we're on-, um, on twitter we're at film fives f-i-l-m-f-i-v-e-s one mm-hmm. we've so far got a whopping great six followers so if Get you'd like in. to uh, add to that <laughs> <laughs> and we're on Facebook as well as Film Fives, so yeah, give us a follow. There's not really much happening on them, but in future we'll be putting out what we're doing. And so if you want to get your own five in there earlier, then uh, feel free. There will probably be an announcement beforehand of what we're doing. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably use the social media a bit more as as, as now growing and we're finding our way yeah. through it. We'll probably push more for general opinions in the uh, in the Twitter sphere. Um, on yes. subjects of films and um, yeah please follow us if you can rate us every bit helps yeah, five please. star reviews five, write anything yeah if it's less than that don't want to rate you but five star review <laughs> and something else saying how great we are and how clever we are and how handsome we are even though you probably might not know what we look like that would be great and if you do you wouldn't be calling us handsome that's for sure <laughs> Yeah, and and um, yeah, five star reviews and and any any written reviews are helpful, even if you're being derogatory. Apparently, according to the oh, algorithm okay. information, yeah. So any of that's great. Publicity is good publicity. Exactly. There's no such thing as bad news, apparently. And um, we're on Facebook, aren't we, as well, Phil? Yes, we are. Yeah, yeah lovely. Isn't that great? Film fives. Check it out, everybody. We're not sure what we're going to do for our next one. We'll yeah. be discussing we'll that off a discussion there. in a second. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, so far we've done we've done directors, we've done actors, we've done genres, we've done studios, we've done films of the year. That's the five so far. The yeah. only thing that I can think of we haven't done to avoid repeating ourselves up to date is, is either a, yeah on on a, a national cinema theme or to go sub-genre something style quirky. and go for something quirky like best yeah. uh, best deaths in an Italian horror yeah, film or, or something like that or something like that yes <laughs> yeah so we might do something like that next we might just go back to a director maybe 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 who, who knows we'll see yeah but in the meantime thanks for listening if you have done thank you very you much well you're not you wouldn't be on here would you so thank <laughs> <laughs> cheers yeah, thanks guys cheers till the next time